Yo, kids, this is Nick the Tooth, and today I am joined by my co-host and publisher of the Infinite Worlds magazine, Winston Ward. All right, Winston, here we are back again for Star Trek Part 2, man. We left off last time with the uh, next generation, but today let's talk a little bit about uh, Voyager and Deep Space Nine and carry it on into the 21st century a little bit there. Yes. All right. I'm excited for it. See some of these J.J. Abrams movies and talk about that. Maybe a little little drug talk, too. You stay tuned. Let's do it, man. Everybody buckle up. Okay, so, yeah, I love Next Generation, one of the best shows, again, like I said, but, but, it was quickly followed up because of the success of of, uh, Next Generation's uh, Roddenberry followed up with Voyager and Deep Space Nine, but I have to confess that um, when those shows came out, at that point, I was just at a point in my life where... I think I was in grad school. My daughter was born. I just got married. And so for me, it just became this thing where I didn't have a whole lot of time to watch television. So the only thing that I really remember watching at that time was X-Files. And X-Files for me was became like religion, you know, like just yeah, like if, if I you're gonna was switch with, to another show. You know, that's a that's a good switch. Yeah, it was so cool. The uh the, that show. We're going to have to do a podcast about that. For sure. We will. Let's do it. Let's definitely do an X-Files podcast. I'd love to. I stayed on a little longer than that. Uh, I stayed on watching TV until I was about 16, till about 1999. So I watched most of DS9, which I love. Great TV show. It's a little darker, a little grittier than the pre- preceding Star Trek shows, but it's the 90s. It kind of had almost like a grungy feel to it. I thought it was great. I love the adding of Quark I think having profit-hungry characters slowly learning about the value of community over a long timeline, like a really long character arc, I think is a really cool plot. Generally, I think Cisco's cool, interesting character. It's generally a pretty good show. I'd recommend it too. Voyager came out just a little bit after DS9, and I watched some of that too. I think Janeway was a compelling character as well, like a good captain. Again, it makes me think in Star Trek, if the captain makes the series, then I think had I watched more, I had a good chance of liking it more. Around 1999, I just tuned out completely, 1998, 1999, and didn't watch TV again for probably 15 years. Mm -hmm. So what happened with Star Trek after that, for me, was confined to the movies. And I know there's a bunch of good material there. I understand even Enterprise was pretty good with Scott Bakula mm-hmm. from Quantum Leap, but I never got a chance to really watch any of those, and I still really haven't. You didn't watch any of the uh, Next Generation movies? I watched it, no. Uh, probably my favorite Star Trek movie is a Next Generation movie. It is First Contact. Me too! Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. And that, I think, is probably the very best Star Trek movie, or at the very least on par with the best Star Trek movie, one of the best. Yeah, really, it kind of goes back. The Borg show up, who I think are the best arch villains on Star Trek. They really encapsulate man's fears the most, the fear of being assimilated into a toxic, destroying machine that does nothing but assimilates and destroys. And I think that's a really vital fear to strike into people's hearts, and I think the Borg really capture that really well. It was something that I'm really glad they brought over into the movie And then it tells the story of them in an attempt to fight the Borg. They end up going back to end time through a wormhole to the first contact with humans by Vulcans. 
and try to prevent the Borg from stopping that from happening or destroying the Earth before it happens or something. I can't remember. Well, no, they're trying to they're trying to stop warp travel, and there was a the the scientists the Borg are trying to stop warp travel. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. So that the Federation doesn't have the ability to travel via warp, so that they can easily defeat the Federation. That's right, because what happens in the 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 timeline where it starts in the first act of the movie was that they basically destroyed the Borg. And so they finally destroyed the Borg and then the Borg in a last ditch effort go back in time. Right. And right. they're like, we're going to kill Zephyrin Cochran, I think his name was. Yeah, Zephyrin Cochran, who invented the warp drive, which the warp signature is what alerted the Vulcans to our presence in the solar system as they were passing through. They saw the warp signature and Zephyrin Cochran, who was an Elon Musk type of his time, but in like the semi post-apocalypse, or I don't know if Elon Musk is a really good comparison, maybe more like... No, nah, he was he was more like a like kind of a drunk like yeah, like oh, I'm over it. I, I I'm never gonna accomplish anything. And they kind of had to spur him on and go, dude, you got this, you got this. They had to give him a pep talk. Yeah, yeah. And then meanwhile, there's another subplot where Data is being seduced by the Borg Queen because it's revealed that their hive mind is controlled by a single queen, like a beehive. And dude, she was so good. Oh my. Gosh. And that's a pretty cool plot line as well. The idea with sexuality and Data enters the series pretty early. It's actually in a very early episode of The Next Generation. They kind of play with that a lot, but then they really go heavy into that with that movie. Yeah, because the Queen gives him like this skin that he can actually feel. And yeah. It's like sensual. Right. And he feels what it's like. And he's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> She's basically giving him an orgasm is what it is. It's another like that, that whole plot, like what it means to be human. And it really hits that point home really hard too so when somebody asks me what my favorite something is which i get asked a lot that's something that people ask me a whole lot and it's always like this is my favorite right now this is my favorite as of this moment but in the next moment i might give you a different answer because yeah i I don't think having like a one favorite thing that you always go back to i don't know i just i'm unable to do it it's a good one though and i i agree it's one of my favorite sci-fi movies that i can go back and watch again and again because the borg and the queen and data and going back with zephyr cochran and tying because really what they're doing is they're tying it in almost like a prequel to the the original Mm -hmm. series so it kind of creates this whole ouroboros of a snake just eating its tail. It's so rad, man. I really dug, I dug it. I agree. And if you guys haven't seen that one, that's a really, that's a really great Star Trek movie. I recommend that one for sure. For 1996, it has some pretty decent special effects at the beginning there. It's a pretty good movie. Recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one I watched. I saw a couple other next gen movies as well. I saw Star Trek Insurrection. I can't even remember it. I saw Star Trek Nemesis and that's the one with young Tom Hardy. And I think I remember that one being okay. But again, the movies just never really reach that level of being like, oh man, I got to watch, get this one on DVD and watch it all over and over again. Yeah, I, I, li- I like the Tom Hardy one, especially in retrospect, as I became a real Tom Hardy fan to go back. Because when I saw it, I didn't, re- I didn't really know who he was. But to go back and watch it, it was really cool to see like the evolution and see, you know, he nails it. I mean, Tom Hardy is one of my favorite actors. I agree. I think he's very good. You know, he get a lot of shit for his performance as Bane, but I actually thought it was pretty great. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was good. Oh, we got to do a Batman series too. That'd be cool. <laughs> Every time we think of something cool, we're just like, yeah, let's do an episode on that. <laughs> we just have to record a lot more episodes. That's all. Okay. So I kind of like lost the Star Trek vibe for a while. This is a true story. From the age of about 16 until the age of about, 
I don't know, 27 or so or 28. I didn't really watch any TV of any kind. And Star Trek was on that list. But what really got me back into it is when a buddy of mine got into the Star Trek reboot, the J.J. Abrams reboot, was like, look at this trailer. You have to watch this trailer for the Star Trek movie coming out. And I was like, oh, snap, this actually does look really good. This looks like it could be really cool. And they did like a really great teaser where it just has him pulling up on a motorcycle and then showing Enterprise being built. Gave me a whole lot of of nostalgia, you know what I mean, at that point. And I was like, you know what? I am definitely going to go see this movie when it comes out. And my buddy Powell is his name. We were sitting around at his house and the movie had come out that night. And I was like, dude, let's go watch that movie. And he's like, I don't really feel like it. And I was like, well, look, man. I want to go see this movie really bad. You're the one who got me hyped up to go see it. And he's like, I'm just not feeling it, man. I was like, look, here's what we're going to do. Okay, so I'm about to tell you guys a story that I guess puts me through the looking glass as far as me getting a job again of any kind in the future. (laughs) I love it. Come on, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Spill the beans. Spill the beans. Okay, so I was like, okay, let's eat a bunch of mushrooms. And then go watch Star Trek. And I, yeah. I was only able to get him to want to go see the movie with me because I was like, let's eat these mushrooms and then we'll do it. It'll be fun that way. Okay, so we eat these mushrooms. We get to the movies. I just start feeling it when I'm at the concession stand. <laughs> I uh, go and I sit in my seat and sit through the trailers. You know what I mean? And I'm in. we're in one of the auditorium seating theaters with the balcony, the little kind of raised. It's not quite a balcony, but like a little raised area at the second section of seating like the higher section of seating has like a little balcony type deal and i'm in the center seat we got there super early we just we got there early and kind of waited so we could get like a good showing and we're we're, i'm sitting in the center seat at the front edge of this balcony then the movie starts and if you've seen the jj abrams star trek movie i think it came out in 2009 if i'm not mistaken it has a cold opening that involves a wormhole opening in space and a romulan ship coming through it so this opening happens right when the movie starts and I'm sitting in this seat and the mushrooms really start hitting me super hard at this point. And, and if you see the opening, it's got great special effects, lots of lens flares. You know, the movie, that movie is notorious for all the lens flares. So I'm like really tripping out all these lens flares. And then there's a part where a nurse leans over to one of the characters and her eyes are CGI'd big eyes, you know what I mean? But I'm tripping on mushrooms, so when I see this, it just makes my head expand like a bubble. And I'm just like, whoa! So the whole very super ultra dramatic, uh, I don't want to spoil it if you guys haven't seen it, but there's an ultra, ultra, ultra melodramatic slash dramatic slash great, excellent cold opening for Star Trek. And after this cold opening ends, the Star Trek logo just comes up and it has the new Star Trek theme starts playing. And I'm in this movie theater and I stand up in the movie theater and just start applauding because I am tripping balls at this point. And I just start, and, and I'm in this movie theater and then I swear to you, every other person in the theater got up and started applauding too. Oh my God. <laughs> this, this movie, I, this, I created a standing ovation for Star Trek in a movie theater in Georgia because I was so high that I thought it was the appropriate thing to do. Oh my gosh. Just for an opening too. That's rad. And I, you know, I watched the whole movie, us tripping the whole time. And then at the end of the movie, I was like, oh man, that movie's going to win best picture. It's going to win best screenplay. It's going to win best score. Win best visual effects. And you know, of course it didn't do any of those things. Oh. But I'm still a huge fan of the movie. I still think it's a great one, but I think they did a great job recasting it. I think it's a really fun action movie. I think the casting of the, crew the young crew is outstanding like they couldn't have done a better job casting that movie dude it's one of, it's it's like one of the best reboots i've ever seen it's like rivals it to really me, is. yeah to me it rivals you know nolan's not i wouldn't say it's nolan's batman trilogy because that's a masterpiece but i thought it was amazing i've seen it 
many, many times. I really dug it, man. Yeah. The only thing about that movie that I seriously dislike is the antagonist's motivation. Nero's motivation doesn't make sense to me. He's pissed that Romulus got destroyed in the future and Romulus is still around. And somebody even points that out to him as a character. And he's just like, shut up. <laughs> I'm pissed off. <laughs> I know, yeah. You know, I guess like the idea behind Romulans is that they don't control their emotions for shit. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like, super hot-blooded, mercurial. And I guess that's like somebody explains away his lack of reasonable motivation to go after Spock. Or it was like, okay, you saw it destroy in the future, but like you could just go there right now and it would be there and you could just be there and it would be fine. Well, I don't, I don't think we should gloss over right now the fact that you actually went to see a movie tripping on mushrooms and made it through the movie because there is oh, yeah. no way that I could do it. I've attempted, you know, a couple times to, uh, when I'm tripping to go out in public and I just can't do it. I just go, whoa. That's not normally my MO at all. Normally I'm like a room with a big comfy bed and some people I really like or want to be around and some cool beverages and lots of cool music. And that's really usually what I'm into or going into nature sometimes. Is cool. Oh man. Dude, you know what? You know what I will say? I'll, I'm going to give another digression here is that one of the cool things about being in the van and being in nature is that before we left LA, I got some really pharmaceutical grade MDMA. And I don't know if okay. you've ever done it. Have you ever done it? I haven't. I haven't. No. I'll level with you. I've done a lot of drugs, but I have not, not done that. Well, it's put it this way. It's like, imagine your most intense mushroom trip and then go about 5% of that. <laughs> so it's all of, it's kind of psychedelic, but you don't get the ego dissolution, you know, but uh-huh. it's really just such a, my wife described that she never had never done it as bubbly. You're just like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And it's so good for couples. It's amazing. It was so good for us being in the van, you know, and having like at first that tension and then being, I'm like, no, we're going to do it. She's like all nervous. And within, you know, an hour, she's like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest feeling I've ever had in my life. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's crazy because in sci-fi, there are so many metaphors for a psychedelic experience. Like someone will go to a foreign planet and they'll eat this or they'll that. And then all of a sudden they're all happy and it changes their whole outlook or their paradigm. And yet we, because of the demonization of psychedelics in the, uh, you know, with Nixon and Reagan and all that, we went through this period where, I, and maybe even some listeners are so young, they can't even fathom, but, you know, because now it's becoming legal, like all over the place, you know, and they're now saying, hey, we're going to use this for PTSD, you know, and really what it does, it just changes your paradigm. You know, you see things differently. Absolutely. I, and I can attest to this. I personally think that once you're at a fully mentally developed stage in your life. To me, that would have been in my mid-20s, probably. But, you know, I guess that differs for different people. But once you're there, I encourage people to try psychedelics. Yeah, it changes. In a safe, safe, responsible way, for sure, because it makes you more empathic. It makes you understand the connectedness. Listen, it's also not like a permanent change, like you do it and suddenly you're a better person and you're always better and you always do things better. But it does give you a glimpse of that place you want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes you understand it. It does draw you closer to it. 
No, and I, and I think that's why, you know, they're now, like I said, they're starting to use it for PTSD. They're starting to use it for so many, for depression. They're using ketamine. And my first experience, I'm going to go with digression here because it does tie into sci-fi. Everything in my life ties into sci-fi. But um, someone, I was, I, I might have talked about this where I was reading because I had read Dune, someone had given me, did I talk about this already? Someone had given me a, I think, a big bag of mushrooms right, but- and- I ate them and I didn't know how much to eat. And so I, and I'm talking a bag, a big sandwich bag, you know, and I ate the whole damn bag because I wasn't feeling anything. And I went to a concert and it was like, oh my gosh, when it hit, I was like, I got to get out of here. And so I was with my, this girlfriend and we went back to her place and watched heavy metal. And it was, but great, great thing to watch. Right. You know, under the circumstances. I love heavy metal, really- the animated movie. If, if someone hasn't seen it, it's like the greatest animated movie that's ever been made. I, I love to post gifts from that movie a lot. I, that was one of the first movies that w- when my wife and I were dating, I was like, dude, we definitely have to watch the heavy metal movie. If you want because you know I run Infinite Worlds, so like I obviously take a lot of cues from heavy metal in a lot of respects. I mean, I do a lot of things very differently than heavy metal does, but. I obviously they've been around for a long time and a lot of my heroes were heavy metal writers and creators and artists and you know I got a lot of respect for them so I was like we definitely have to watch this movie and my wife had never seen anything like it and she loved it wow she she absolutely loved it and since then she's like been able to understand what I'm about with Infinite Worlds and just the podcast and the headspace I'm in and I think that's another movie I absolutely recommend here we are on the Star Trek episode P.S. We're talking about some other heavy metal. Because we're this is, a, this is a sci-fi nerd podcast. That's why. We can talk about anything sci-fi. And you know what, though? What's crazy, though, is that, you know, for me, that's why I think I was so drawn to Infinite Worlds magazine on a subconscious and conscious level. Because I was like, this is someone who understands where I'm coming from. Because for me, heavy metal's it. Even my book series is based on heavy. It's so influenced by heavy metal. What they do is just so cool. And no offense to the guys who run heavy metal, but it's gone through stages where it's not been as cool. Oh, it's been and awful. They do some things I don't love. There's a lot of objectifying that goes on. It feels a lot of the times like it's sort of like a boys club and the girls aren't allowed kind of. And I, I don't love that either. But overall, I like what they do. You cannot over state the influence of that original heavy metal magazine and that original heavy metal movie movie on sci-fi today if you look at death, oh, death love and robots on netflix the series that david fincher was was dealing was in charge of dude that came from heavy metal they were going to use heavy metal name on that and then they just we're gonna have to come back and do heavy metal next we are i i agree heavy metal gotta be next yeah because everyone from James Cameron to George Lucas to Fincher it was so influenced by heavy metal. You know, we all were. Even if people aren't, haven't been exposed to it, they still have in other iterations. Absolutely. We're getting a way off topic. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> After the 2009 movie came out, the J.J. Abrams, they followed that up with Into Darkness, which was sort of a remake of The Wrath of Khan, sort of like a retelling of that story. And it was pretty good. You know, I liked it. It had action and they kind of did the Spock, Kirk death backwards in that one. But honestly, it just, I don't think it had the magic of the 2009 movie, personally. It just didn't quite hit me the same way. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it was Star Trek Beyond. Beyond was cool, but Beyond definitely felt more like an action movie than any of the other previous movies. Like it was the one that I felt like I was watching a straight up 
kind of corny action movie most of the time. Yeah. I think it was directed by the, one of the Fast and the Furious directors. It definitely had that kind of feel to it. I don't know if they actually have another Star Trek movie in production. No, it's a ma- as a matter of fact, it just got canceled last week. Well, you know, they've, been, they've had rumors of Quentin Tarantino really trying to produce a Star Trek film. And the tweet I've seen lately is that it's not totally dead. The idea is not dead. And he would, wanted to make it set in the 1930s as like a gangster movie, but a Star Trek movie. They just announced last week that they uh, they shelved uh, Star Trek for, And I don't know if that's because of what's happening. You know, Hollywood right now, I have a friend that works in set design and he actually, because he, had, he wasn't working, he was able to come in and help me with some of the cabinets on the van. Dude, he hasn't been back to work in five months. And so Man. that means no movies are sh- have shot in five yeah. months. Um, yeah, that's crippling that industry for sure. Hundreds of thousands of people are not working because of that. We might end up getting some of our own Bell Riots here in 2020, 2021. What are the Bell Riots? That's in the Star Trek mythos. Here, I'll, I'll read the fandom wiki for it. The Bell Riots were a pivotal series of events on Earth that took place in September 2024. Starting in San Francisco's Sanctuary District A, they were named after protest leader Gabriel Bell. One of the most violent civil disturbances in all of American history, the riots were subsequent crackdown and subsequent crackdowns resulted in the deaths of hundreds of sanctuary residents. It was sort of like a pivotal moment in history when people in the tried Star to. Star Trek universe, right? Yeah, in the Star Trek universe. In 2024, because of homelessness, they had started making sanctuary dis- oh districts and they started Oh my putting- gosh. Are you kidding me? In yes. 2024. So they're basically, there's a good chance that they're going to nail this down. That because right now we're facing 30 million people, I think I say, I think I read that are going to be facing eviction. Um, yeah. Wow. That's one of the big things that Star Trek is trying to push is that it's a post-capitalist society. The people on Star Trek aren't working jobs for money and then using the money to exchange for goods. Yeah. That's, that's not how the society works. It's a post-scarcity society, too. And that obviously, scarcity creates economy. Mm. Uh, I'm not an economist, so don't, if I, you know, sound ridiculous saying that. No, you don't, but I've taken a lot of economics and it's supply demand and supply demand drives price. And so if you can create scarcity, then you can enhance, you know, you can increase the value, what you're going to get for your product. And it happens all the time, you know, Hey, look at, look at Christmas. You know, we got toys Nintendo's like, Hey, let's restrict how much we're going to put on the market. We'll create scarcity and, you know, and scarcity is being a lot bigger of a thing now because the widths and the withouts are increasingly separate. Yeah. It's increasingly distant apart. The wealth is consistently moving up. And that's one of the things that Star Trek, what Gene Roddenberry saw was like, look, man, you guys, if we don't stop that, we're going to end up having these riots. People won't stand for it. You can't keep the majority of people as peasants. You know what I mean? They won't take it. They'll rise up. And, you know, you do see that happening right now. I mean, Absolutely. Look at I know. Absolutely. I've said this before on the show. I'm not the guy who's going to tell you which political system you should use because I don't understand political theory well enough to try to explain it to someone else. But I do know that a pure capitalist system isn't going to work. There's no way it'll work. It's what Roddenberry probably was looking at and said, look, the writing's on the wall. It's going to eat itself. And it is. And it is. What we have to do about that is that's up for you guys to come up with the answers. You know what I mean? If you're listening to this, be the light. You know what I mean? Invent the warp drive if that's what it takes. What we all need to do really is just try to learn to live with less. And 
Yeah. Not us at all. And not normal people, probably not any of you, but I mean like the people who have a billion dollars, the people who have $500 million. Dude, I think I saw something that said in the last four months, Jeff Bezos has pocketed $79 billion. He has increased his wealth by $79 billion and probably paid no taxes. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. That won't work. I mean, it doesn't take much thinking to realize that that's just not sustainable. And if you want to have a society down the line, we can't have that. No, You know what I mean? So what needs to be done about that? I don't know. Hopefully there's a good, peaceful way to get through this, to like remedy this situation. Though it seems increasingly likely that we're going to experience the bell riots. Dude, I got like goosebumps right now because I'm like starting to realize, because I've been saying, because I'm such a weirdo, but I always tell my wife, I'm like, you know what the cool thing about all this is, is that we are essentially living through a sci-fi novel right now. We really are. And now I'm realizing, wait a minute, man, we are, when you said that, we're passing through like the history, the Star Trek-like history. And the question really is, Winston, can we come out the other side like they did in Star Trek? Or are we going to go the Hunger Games route? You know, are we going to go 1984 route? There's so many outcomes. And really only Star Trek is the only one that's like, if we could do these things, we could get out of this. Oh, God. If you could see my face right now, I'm cringing because I'm starting to, it's starting to hit me that this is fucking real. You know what I mean? And I'm like, when you said that before, it was like, yeah, we should do this. We should all be nice. And of course, I agree with those platitudes. But the reality is, is now it is real. It is real. And we are, we do, we are faced with those questions right now. It's crazy. And we're not just faced with them in like a, this is something we're going to have to figure out tomorrow kind of situation. This is what is happening right now. It's today's problems. It's not theoretical. The riots are happening. People, when they talk about like Black Lives Matter, I'm like, listen, that is the pretext. Of course, those are issues, but we've been dealing with police brutality and racism since, you know, the 60s, but definitely in my lifetime, you know, since Rodney King. And so this has been going on and on and on. But People are reaching a point with inequality and the pandemic and Trump and just agitating everything. Society is ripping itself apart. And you're right. We're facing some dire, dire milestones without question right now. Because if we go to a point where we allow 30 million people to be evicted, the country will not heal from that and recover from that. 30 million people is like 9% of the population or something like that. It is completely... This would be the Great Depression times a few. Yeah, times a few, times a few. That's right. Because if we have 30 million people at risk of eviction, the rest don't think that the other 100 million or whatever are are not going to be at risk for, you know, it's right. a complete degradation of their rights and their, their lifestyles. Well, crime will just take over. That's what happens is when you uh, undercut somebody's means, they turn to crime It's because they're desperate. That's what they do. you got to eat. you got to feed your family, you know? Yeah. Whew, man. Well, look, man. Wow. Well, you know what? It's it's heavy, but I think it's it's relevant for the times. And I think you tied it up completely, really well with a bow with Star Trek because I never – thought about that until you just said it. You're right. We are passing through that Star Trek history. And that's the question. I think that's a great place to, uh, to, kind, of, to kind of end it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shaking up right now, dude. That was a good one, man. Wow. But I guess I got to leave you. I've got to leave you with 
the classic live long and prosper. <laughs> uh, it's been a really good show. It really has, man. This this was a really good Maybe one. We'll do heavy metal next. What's, yeah, I would love to do heavy metal next. That would be great. Hey, listen, man, I want to thank um, all the fans that have hit me. I've got quite a few people that have hit me and talked about watching the TV series Devs, and they've just loved it. And so uh, I'm really stoked that you guys reach out to me like that. And I'm sure Winston appreciates it also. We love you guys. We'd love to hear more comments. We'd love to hear suggestions for future episodes. Hit us up on Instagram. Yeah. That's where we're both very active. It's at Nick the Tooth and at Infinite Worlds Magazine. You can find us online. Otherwise, hit that Google. But definitely keep sending us the love. It really does make a difference. Yeah. Completely. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you. And, you know, buy Infinite Worlds Magazine. If you're hearing this for the first time, check that out. I think you'll like it. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you. This is it. Uh, Live long and prosper, my brother. Live long and prosper, dude.